Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Half Court and Mid Range. I'm Court. I'm Ray. And today we're going to talk about our awesome predictions from the NBA first round. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft lottery, and we're going to predict that. And then we're going to talk about the Eastern and Western Conference final games. Give a little update on that, and uh, maybe a little more of our predictions since they went so well in the first round. Uh, and then if you're really lucky, you might get to hear from a couple of guest speakers, luminaries. start off with uh, going over our predictions from last time we'll just go in the same order we made them in uh, and remember these were for the first round playoff series which concluded not too long ago although the second round has happened in between then and now uh, but first off we're going to go to the eastern conference uh, this was the atlanta brooklyn series uh, so ray predicted that atlanta would win four to one and he was hoping that kyle corver did well and I was predicting that Atlanta would win. This was before I realized we had to say the amount of games that teams would win by. And I thought that Mike Scott was going to average 30 points per game. And what really happened was Atlanta won 4-2. to two. Mike Scott averaged how many points per game, Ray? Four points per game. Which is only 26 points per game different than what I predicted. So pretty close. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyle Korver, I feel like he didn't play all that well. I kind of put this in here. What do you think about that, Ray? I don't think he... I know he didn't play that well in round two. Um, in particular, I know he didn't shoot well, which is his his kind of thing. So uh, people were pretty down on him. But I also don't think he played that well in round one. Um, and yeah, I think overall the Hawks, it's pretty surprising that Brooklyn was able to win two games. Uh they were something of a laughing stock. Um, so, yeah, I guess it just kind of goes along with Atlanta not looking all that hot in, in both of the first two rounds. Um, all right. And uh, next up, we got the Cavs and the Celtics. Uh, in this one, Ray <laughs> predicted that the Cavs were going to sweep the Celtics and that he wanted Kelly Olnick in particular to do poorly in the series. While I predicted that the Cavs uh, would win four to two, and I said something about Joe Harris being awesome, obviously, yes. uh, and what really happened was Ray was exactly right. The Cavs swept, uh, and Kelly Olnick did poorly in the sense that he uh, injured Kevin Love for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to take credit for that, um, and I feel bad for him as a is a relatively unathletic guy trying to get by and then definitely a dirty move, but he probably didn't want to pull Kevin Love's arm out of his socket. So I feel a little bad for him. Um, but yeah, Cavs looked really good and the Celtics showed that they're really not a good basketball team. Oh wait, we have some breaking news court. What's the breaking news? Joe Harris has been optioned to the Canton charge. 
are the Canton Charge playing right now? That has to it be for the matter. championship it game. It doesn't matter. It has to be for the Joe championship Harris game. Can he be needs optioned. He needs to be optioned down to the Canton Charge so they can play the D League championship, and then he'll be optioned back up by Wednesday. It'll be all good. If I had Joe Harris's phone number, I would just call him in the middle of the night and tell him he's been optioned to the Canton Charge. And but he already has a secretary who keeps track of that for him because it happens a lot, and he hasn't. You know, he makes eight hundred and eight hundred sixty thousand dollars per year. Court, how do you feel about the rise of Delado? How do I feel about the rise of Deladova? I don't think that Deladova played for two minutes in the most recent game. Deladova had that really good game. He was on the podium. He, it was like him, LeBron James, and Tristan Thompson. LeBron James said this about Deladova. Deladova? Deladova. Deladova. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I know my Australian names. Uh, he said, Deli uh, can make as many mistakes as he wants as long as that number is one or less basically was what he said he said he played so well that he's allowed to make at least one mistake which i think is pretty magnanimous for uh, the king there yeah <laughs> lebron james a man of data which moves us to our next series which was chicago bulls versus the milwaukee bucks uh ray predicted that the bulls were gonna win four games to two he was interested in michael carter williams's performance i predicted the bulls would win four games to three and i hate the midwest and the real thing that happened the midwest was terrible the bulls won four games to two just like ray said Mm -hmm. uh there were a couple fun things in this game in this series uh Notably, the game three went into double overtime. Mm-hmm. Did you see that game, Ray? Um, I think I was watching. I think I was like half watching it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We all saw. We both saw that game because yeah, we do yeah. an NBA podcast together, and yes. so we watched all the games. Yes, we watched all the games. Um, the final game, though, I think I had to switch away from it because they the Bucks lost in historic fashion. They lost by yeah. like fifty points this or something. Was, this series featured some pretty ugly basketball. Um, I know Michael Carter Williams had one good game, which let all these people love to troll the Sixers to troll the Sixers, whatever, lame, MCW. He also like shot like twenty five percent or something terrible throughout the rest of the series. Enough about that. Since I mean we're kind of forward looking guys though, what do you think? Do the are the Bucks? Do they have a bright future? The Bucks with these young guys with Jabari Parkin coming back, or are they just kind they of have at a this plateau future. now? They have a bright future and. I think Jason Kidd, he seems to be a pretty good coach. Um, they're going to need to add some shooting to their roster. Um, and they could they could probably do that. And they'll need some like real significant development from one of their good young players. But they're still pretty they're still pretty raw and you still need like a a not so expected leap out of one of the their good young players to really be formidable. All right. So. Uh, next, not, MCW is not going to learn to shoot. Prediction. Speaking, Put it on the record. Speaking of formidable leaps and formidable predictions, uh, we had the Wizards uh, Raptors series in which Ray predicted Toronto would win in seven games. Uh, and I predicted that Toronto would sweep. And then I found out that Grievous, well, I remember that Grievous Vasquez plays for the Raptors. And I swapped to the Wizards winning in a sweep. Uh, meanwhile, the game was going on while we were making these predictions. Uh, so that was kind of exciting. Uh, but I flip-flopped back to Toronto sweeping, which was unfortunate because in reality, Washington handily swept the Raptors. Um, yeah, this was a 
This is a lame series. It was a pretty lame series. Uh, the Wizards did go on to the next round against the Hawks, which leads to maybe we have some later where we're going to talk about a general playoff feeling section. Feelings. And I think the Wizards, especially Paul Pierce, uh, factor heavily into my feelings about the playoffs. Series. Series. Uh, speaking of series, in the West, they also had some in the first round. Uh, and the first one we talked about was the Warriors versus the Pelicans. Remember the Pelicans? They play here. Uh, Pellies. I predicted that it was going to be four to one for the Warriors and that the Pelicans were going to pull one out at home because they play well at home and don't blow those games. Uh, Ray predicted four to two for the Warriors. He was excited about a potential sixth game in New Orleans. Unlike me, I didn't want my parking spot to get taken. Uh, and the real thing that happened was the Warriors swept the Pelicans in game three, the Pelicans kind of had a lead and then they blew it. Um, yeah, but I think, I think a lot of times people will say, Oh, somebody lost the series for nothing, but it didn't really, it wasn't really that much of a blowout. And I would, and it usually, it sounds like kind of, you know, bull, but in this case, the Pelicans were like surprisingly competitive, uh, and the games were fun to watch. So I think that means something. Yeah, means they something. they at least um, they made it entertaining. I think. Yeah. And it was a, a valiant effort from our guys. Not enough to save Monty Williams's job, but no, we'll sir. talk more about that in a future episode. If this isn't the last ever episode, uh, don't tell Greg because Greg thinks it's going to be the last ever. Episode. Don't tell Greg. Our new podcast name is going to be called Don't Tell Greg. Uh, the next series that we predicted was the Rockets-Mavs. Uh, I predicted that the Rockets would win 4-1. to one. You can go back and actually listen to this. Uh, I can't really prove that we recorded it before it happened, but you can go back and listen to it. And I also predicted that Carlisle would find out some way to bench Rajon Rondo. Uh, Ray predicted that the Rockets would win 4-0 to zero and that Monte Ellis would not do that well. Um, and the real thing that happened was I was exactly right. The Rockets won four games to one. And that's why even, mm. you know, if you predict enough series where there's seven games total and you, there's not really that many outcomes and there's eight of them to predict, maybe you'll get one exactly right like I did. Play the uh, odds. It's pretty Play exciting. It's pretty that's exciting. That's why we have all the lottery picks. Um, and Ray John Rondo did indeed get benched. Uh, it was a total, you know, boondoggle. Yeah. So I think you, 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 you nailed this one. I think we also have to be a little I think I don't know if Carlisle found out a way to bench Rondo as much as Rondo found out a way to bench himself. Mm. Is that and maybe that's a little I too th- deep. I think that's a little too deep. You're beyond the connect for. Yeah. If okay. we're talking about auto benching, then Greg would be the one to talk to. Definitely. Definitely. Uh we have two more here that uh first round predictions to go over. We had the Clippers Spurs series, which was like a really that was a sweet series uh when we were predicting it uh i predicted that it was fine that chris paul is a jerk i'm not sure why i wrote that uh i was predicted the spurs were going to win in seven games uh and ray predicted this would be the most competitive first round series and the clippers bench would be their downfall because the spurs would win in six games he was excited to watch Kawhi leonard uh, the real thing that happened was Chris Paul stays in the game for game seven when he was like hurt with his hamstring or something. And he totally like pulled this one out of nowhere and they won the Clippers won in seven in a pretty crazy game seven. 
yeah, this was a really good series. We caught a bunch of these games. Um, it it did end up being the most competitive series. Um, Kawhi Leonard was really good and just kind of all over the place and hyperactive. Um, but I guess he also had some letdown games in there. Um, yeah, this was fun. Game seven was was pretty incredible to watch, and also frustrating because I don't know that I have as strong feelings about Chris Paul's as Court does but for some reason I don't want him to succeed and I think it's because he complains a lot uh the only reason I wouldn't want him to succeed is because he used to play here and I wish he had succeeded here instead okay um and also I didn't want him to succeed versus the Spurs I thought there was some ACC animosity yeah I mean Wake Forest you can't really hate them they're like you know nobody cares about that yeah it's exactly it's some private school in north carolina all right i also own four items three depending on how you count socks i own three to four items of spurs clothing uh so there's a little bit of rooting interest there uh the final series we predicted uh was the grizzlies versus the blazers uh we didn't really talk that much about this in the prediction uh i said that the grizzlies were going to win four to two ray said it was going to seven and the blazers were going to win in seven games the real thing that happened the grizzlies pretty handily took care of the uh blazers in four game i mean five games they won four to one and uh mike conley got his face smashed in i didn't really catch a whole lot of the this series actually i caught more of the grizzlies once they moved on to the second round yeah yeah, I'm going to say my prediction here was the worst prediction. Even though mathematically, Court's Toronto sweep was probably the worst. <laughs> yeah, you can't get much worse than That's sweep like, one way and have it happen the opposite way. Exactly. But. Yeah, but I still think, I don't know, Blazers in seven, it just looks ugly on this screen that I'm looking at. Right, and you didn't say, like, you didn't flip-flop, because I sort of said the thing that really did yeah. happen in the other one a little yeah. bit. Yeah, definitely. And you're, you know, well... All right, so that was the, the recap of our first round, uh, and... Now we're going to move on. All right, and we're back, uh, and we're going to talk about, uh, because we only predicted the first round, we're also going to talk some about the second round, which has elapsed in between now and then, or then and now. Uh, And so we're going to talk some about our feelings about this first and second round of the NBA playoffs so far. And I think Ray is really feeling a lot of feelings right now and wants to share them. Yeah, I have a feeling. Um... So last weekend, uh, some friends and I were at, uh, we're at a Georgia state park and walking around and we were reminiscing about dashboard confessional. Um, one of their songs is called vindicated. And I'm going to say, I feel vindicated, even though I probably don't have a right to feel vindicated. Um, because there's a lot of really crappy and false narratives that a lot of the, talking heads like to like to spout or just like old timey basketball people and one of them is uh that like jump shooting teams cannot win in the playoffs it's like this dead horse that people keep on beating and it's not even accurate um and to to actually i think what really uh represents this is phil jackson tweeted out on the 10th of May, just a couple of days ago, NBA analysts, give me some diagnostics on how the three-point oriented teams are faring this playoffs. Dot, dot, dot. Seriously, how's it going? 
G-O-I-N-K. Um, Glass houses, right? Glass houses and stands. <laughs> As yeah. re- with regard to typos, at least. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so what actually ended up happening, and Phil probably didn't know what he was getting into with this tweet, was basically the, the four teams that are that are remaining uh, scored the most three-pointers in the NBA this season. They're the top four. Um, two of them are just like a historically like either great uh, three-pointing sh- shooting team in the in the Golden State Warriors or like historically shoot like an inc- a crazy number of shots in the Rockets. Um, and then, of course, the Cavaliers and the Hawks like are really relying on the three ball. So I feel vindicated that kind of the analytics side of things won out a little bit and these like kind of crappy narratives about you have to win in the interior, you have to beat people up, that kind of didn't really work out. Although, you know, we'll pour some out for Gasol and Zebo. Grind. Grind, the grind house, the grind father, Tony Allen. Um, Speaking of players that people don't really like that much that annoy people, I had a lot of feelings about Paul Pierce in his second round, uh, starting with I was watching the game where the he had a banked game winner, uh, I believe, and it was I was watching with Greg uh, downstairs. Seaver, and that was so that started it. That was an actual win for the Wizards, and then in Game Five, this is the good one. There's actually two good ones. Uh, we should also note that we know a lot of. Uh, Wizards fans. Potentially, we know a lot of Wizards fans. I know the existence of Washington sports fans in general is uh, dubious. Good qualifier. But uh, anyway, purported. game five. Game five. Purported Wizards fans were dismayed by this, uh, by Paul Pierce hitting a seemingly game winner, uh, game winning three, uh, with there was still eight seconds left on the clock. Uh, but he hit it and he apparently turned around and announced series, uh, which was interesting because, like I said, there were still eight seconds on the clock. It, w- it would also only put them up three to two. It wouldn't actually win the series for them. Uh, what happens was they, uh, Atlanta goes back down. They use their crunch time shooter, uh, Schroeder, to uh, drive in, miss a layup. Horford, though, beasts the rebound away from Nene and uh, hits the putback. Uh, for the actual series, three to two win, uh, three to two lead, um, and then uh, in the game six, Paul Pierce hit what appeared to be a tying three, uh, which was like desperation heave from the corner, like impossible. Nails it. Nuts. It was so crazy. It looked so crazy. Nails it. Uh, but then they go over to the replay. This was at Washington, too. So all the fans were like excited, going crazy. It was about to go into overtime, game six. I can't tell you how happy I was. And then they the go over. The purported fans. They go over. Yeah, if the stadium had actually had any fans in it and wasn't as empty as the, the Baltimore Orioles stadium, uh, then the fans were anyway. They were going crazy. It was about to go into overtime. Refs go over to the monitor, look at it. Ball is touching his fingertip. Uh, when the buzzer goes off, does not count. Series. Series, Paul Pierce. Series, Paul Pierce. Series. Career, possibly. Uh, Anyway. That's the truth, Paul Pierce. That is the truth. Uh, So that was exciting for me. Uh, And yeah, a lot of feelings going back and forth because I I was kind of like, 
it was like I hated him, but it was also kind of like when he hit that shot, I was still like, how does he even do it? Yeah, having, having seen that shot live, uh, this is Joel, by the way, um, it was pretty amazing. And it was one of those instances where I'm generally a pretty staunch defender of instant replay, and I think it played its part well in that scenario, but it was also a little disappointing to see it because it wasn't game winning. It would have sent it into overtime, I think, correct? Yeah. Um, and it was a little disappointing to see that get called back, even though it was pretty clear that it was still on his fingertips. Watching the replay, it was really close, and you wanted to imagine that maybe there could have been a sliver of air between his fingers and the ball. And, you know, they called it, they called it good on the court, and I did kind of want to see that game go into overtime. Um, but in the end, I think they made the right call. Would you, in hindsight, if, if you could do away with instant replay and go back, and it was like clear that it ended up being like a not good shot, but they they couldn't go back and replay it. Would you have? Do you think that would have been better? No, and and I don't think they should do away with instant replay. I like ninety nine times out of a hundred, I think it's a good thing. And even in this case, I think it's a good thing because I think they made the right call. I think the ball was still on his fingertips when the clock ran out, but it was so close. Um, and just given all the circumstances that he had already hit two incredible shots in that series and how insane that shot that he hit at that at the final second in that game or after the final second uh in that game it would have been fun to see it go into overtime yeah yeah but what's even more fun is thinking about supposed washington wizards fans piling into the metro and it's like all standing there and it's like super hot and just like uh that just makes me incredibly happy you know that that they were on that they that, that they, they left extremely disappointed. disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm not gonna speculate why um, you have such animosity towards Washington I think, Wizards. <laughs> I think we also have to uh, shout out Joel. Joel's the MVP of of the playoffs so far because Joel got cable so that we could watch a lot of the games at his house, and that has been fun and allowed us to make this podcast have slightly more content even though it still does not have a lot of actual content so yeah i have to say having watched way more basketball this playoffs than any other playoffs in the past it's a lot it's a it's a lot of basketball basketball. and i haven't i have not nearly watched every game but probably i probably watched 50% Uh, 50% more games than I would have, you know, had I not, had I been going to bars to watch games as I've done in previous years. Uh, and it's much more enjoyable watching it in the comfort of my home, but it is a lot of basketball. Yeah. I think what I like most about it is besides watching basketball is, and I've talked to people about this, is it kind of feels like, it feels like the closest I've ever been to feeling like I was in a sitcom. Yeah, and no, I I totally I totally understand that. Joel has like a relatively uh like a it's like a love it's between a love seat and a regular size couch. I would yeah, say. it's a small couch because there is a love seat. It's a small love seat and a small couch. And sometimes there'll be like four of us on it, and we're all kind of relatively tall and lanky, so we're kind of like on top of each other, except for Lindsay, she's not tall and lanky. Um, <laughs> And so it feels like, yeah, we're just like sitting really close to each other to get inside of this camera shot. 
Um, and I just, I like that. Yeah. Speaking of Lindsay, I was asked to shout her out on this podcast. So yeah, Lindsay. Yeah. Hey, Lindsay. Um, did she, she has to come on and give her recap of the, uh, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. Yeah. Yeah. The wrestling match. Um, I had a, I had a thought earlier when you mentioned Phil Jackson's tweets about, uh, jump shooting teams. Cause probably in the, uh, conference semifinals the series that I watched the most of was Memphis Golden State and it was definitely not the most surprising series because that would definitely be uh, Rockets Clippers um, and the way that ended but I think myself included a lot of people were surprised that Memphis won those uh, two games in that series and having watched those two games the Warriors did look pretty uh, defeatable um, because Clay and Steph were missing shots. And Steph's probably, well, he's probably my second favorite player left in the playoffs. I still think I like Harden more than Curry. But um, but I really like Steph. But he, even for being the MVP and for being as great as he's been during the playoffs, there's just games where he's missing shots and Clay hasn't looked great for most of the playoffs. And if he's missing shots too, their offense does kind of bog down. And it, when they started, when they were playing better later in the series against Memphis, it was really Harrison Barnes, especially at the beginning of those game, those last two games, uh, taking people off the dribble, hitting like contested mid range jumpers, um, taking players down in the post who sort of was able to get their offense jump started. Um, so this is not to say that I think Phil Jackson was right by any means, but it does worry me that statistically a team that would rely so much on three pointers, you would expect to see bigger swings in, in variance, um, than a team that can post up, uh, or a team that has a player that can drive, um, which, the Warriors have both of those, but maybe not uh, to the same caliber of a you know somebody like a LeBron or um, a Dwight Howard, to name a few other guys who are left in the playoffs. But um, I think where Phil Jackson was really wrong is that the Warriors are so good on defense that even if their offense isn't humming and Steph and Clay are missing shots, they can still hang their hats on their defense. But it does worry me that if the Warriors get knocked out, really, if they don't win the championship, which I think that they will. I mean, they definitely have the best shot of any of the teams left, that that narrative would get dredged back up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And Harrison Barnes looked incredible the last game. He was just so good. Um, I think Court and I were talking about this the other day, and I think over – there's definitely with jump shooting teams or teams that rely on the three-pointer – variance the variance is much higher uh and so they're more susceptible to like a particularly bad game um but i also think over the course of a seven game series that variance should really play out especially when you're so good at shooting three pointers like a really bad uh three point shooting series for steph curry would probably be something like 35 percent, and that's still like pretty good um so yeah and i think actually on that note the Rockets comeback was a good example. So in game six, they were down, I think, by like 20 in the fourth quarter or something. Yeah. 
And I think that's a good example where when you have a high variance strategy, like shoot a ton of threes, um, that it allows you to still be in a game when you get down big, because uh, you can just jack threes. Yeah, um, that was I didn't see that that uh, Rockets game six, but that looked crazy. And um, yeah, I guess I guess the difference, you know, if if the Rockets were to say, I mean, I don't think the Rockets will beat the Warriors, but if they were even to to push the Warriors, it would either because be because something crazy like that happened, but maybe more likely just that the Rockets would would catch the Warriors on a bad shooting night and be able to rely on somebody like James Harden who can consistently drive and get to the free throw line um, rather than just rely on three-point shooting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that concludes our feeling section of the podcast. There were a lot of feelings this time. A lot of feelings. feelings. I think we all feel better now, right? I feel a little bit better, Yeah. yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel good. Um, I feel really forward looking now, like looking towards the future. Yeah. Which um, is the way we should always be looking, right? We should always, well, no. Like we should always be looking towards next season. We should always be in the present moment. You should talk to your roommate about that one, <laughs> Michael, who won't listen to this podcast because he would think it's a waste of time. But if he hears me saying this, he'll get mad at me. Uh all right, I'm gonna edit that part out, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're gonna talk about next up. We're gonna talk about the NBA draft lottery, which is in the near future, tomorrow, tomorrow. less than 24 hours away from right now, the most important day of the <laughs> basketball year. The NBA draft lottery. I, th- I thought Ray was going to say his life. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really important day, y'all. Uh, tomorrow is, yes, the lottery. Uh, the day when all the ping pong balls get turned into envelopes and a team representative for each team comes up there and doesn't really, well, I don't know, wears a nice suit or something. Or Yeah, or a, not a nice suit. If it's like Maury or something, right? I think that, and I don't know if this is for the draft lottery or for the draft itself, but I heard that Russell Westbrook was going to be representing the Thunder, which I'm excited to see photos of. Yeah. Uh, was there any other rep- representatives that stood out? Um, I feel like the, the, any of the player ones, uh, I thought Noel was, uh, and we've talked about this before, Nerlens for Philadelphia was kind of an interesting choice. Um, in that, like, it, how you know, any player for them, I feel like, is really replaceable. Because uh, I don't know why a player would want to really go there. Because it's just you can tell they just believe in a system of. We losing. just hired a sports scientist. <laughs> we just hired. How a many sports points scientist. per game does the sports scientist average? Two thousand calories, or however many calories he should average. <laughs> Who are you to question sports science? <laughs> Um, speaking of sports science and, uh, represent, do you know the non-player representatives for any of these teams? Uh, was Isaiah Thomas out? representing the Knicks? Wait, who was like, so Alex Len was funny. He's representing the Suns. Oh yeah. Well, they couldn't um, have the Morris twins go up there together. I don't think it's Isaiah, but apparently Isaiah has some role with a WNBA team, which calls a stir. So yeah, Nerlens, I'm excited. He has great hair. I think. That's I think that's what's really I think that's why he was chosen because he has the best hair. He has the best hair. Yeah, he's got a sick flat top. Okay. 
whose flat top is better, his or Shumpert's? Nerland's easy. Shumpert's is like less like I don't know. Nerland's is really tight. He's a really tight flat top, and he's also seven feet tall already and super skinny. So I think it like accentuates the the kind of verticality, if that's a word, of the uh, of the flat top. Okay. See, I would I would think it would almost work better for Shumpert because he's not well, he's not NBA super tall. So mm. I mean, yeah, objectively he's probably like a yeah, it, better looking it's a, guy. It's a bigger percentage of his overall height than Nerlens, mm. the flat top. So that's the metric. That's some so uh, we've just, that's we some just, hair just, science right there. <laughs> we just invented hair science. We just invented a statistic. Yeah. The first statistic for this podcast. I think Joel is our resident hair scientist now. Um, while Ray is more of a hair traditionalist. Okay. <laughs> Done. Um, so as far as predictions for the lottery, do you have any predictions, Ray? I have a prediction. I just pre- I just want to put it out here on the record that I predict it's going to put be it on the record in the exact order of percentages that it. I thought you were going to go one by one. It's going to be the Timberwolves, then the Knicks, then the Sixers, and and the Lakers, and on from there. Okay. Um. So you're just picking the best odds. Yes, I'm picking the best odds, obviously. <laughs> Bold prediction. <laughs> but I wish we knew, you know, that scenario actually, I'm sure that scenario happens like half a percent of the time or something. Yeah, it's probably incredibly unlikely for that to actually happen, but it's more likely than any other singular prediction that we can make. But that's not going to stop you from making a different singular prediction. I, Joel, do you, do you want to make a prediction? How do you feel I about the Thunder's I really, chances? I, I, I've decided that the Thunder were stealth, stealth tankers this year. I, How do you feel about I that, Joel? I don't think they were stealth tankers. <laughs> I think that's uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty false. Um, I don't know. I'd be excited if they jumped up in the lottery. Um, I did. I ran the simulation like, I don't know, five times maybe a month ago, and one of them uh, ended with the Thunder getting the number one pick. I think I've told both of y'all this already. Um, that would be exciting. I don't think it'll happen. Um, I think wherever they end up, they will take somebody who hopefully will be able to play next year, which they haven't, which they haven't really done in the last few years. Uh, I mean, I guess Mitch McGarry. Not Mitch, yeah, yeah. Mitch McGarry played played some this year, but um, I don't know. I you would think they'll do that thing where they draft a guy who's going to sign a D league contract. Yeah, number I, would, one. I don't. <laughs> don't think that they'll do that again hopefully um yeah i don't really have any predictions as far as how the lottery plays out um yeah all right yeah i don't know looking for a guy who can play right away that would fit in well with the thunder i suggest justin anderson from uva number 14 overall or number one overall whatever you want (laughs) wherever yeah He's he's a mid he's a like a like twenty three or something on draft yeah, expresses. Yeah, people are always he's in more of that Spurs wheelhouse. People are saying. I'd like him on the Sixers. Let I'd me, like him on the Sixers. Let me look at the. Where is this the, is just Sixers odds. Uh, I have the, I have where's the, the. Where's the bottom? Here's the odds. Here's the bottom odds. I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna predict that the Magic jump up to number one. It's just oh. just a feeling. Okay. Nice just a feeling. Back Joel, into the feeling section of the Joel podcast. Eight point eight percent feeling. All right. I've decided. I don't think I can go on the record with a prediction because, and I would only That's predict. Bullshit. I would only predict 
I would only predict things related to the Sixers for this because the rest doesn't matter. The lottery is about the Sixers. And so... Go ahead, Bill. No, you go. Okay, so I think we should throw out some some Sixers scenarios for Ray to... Yeah. ...to play out. So... Let's let's say best case scenario. Well, this seems one like six a, eleven. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Let's let's say let's say one six eleven. Who do they take? Actually, let's just give a little bit of context. The Sixers can get anywhere between one and three picks based on how the lottery balls come out tomorrow. Because um, we have we have two picks from other teams that we only get if they fall after a certain pick. Uh, so Joel, just you asked if the if the Sixers get number one, who do they pick? Let's start with best case scenario. I would who do, who do they pick one, six, and eleven? Carl Carl Anthony Towns number one, number six. I feel like I'm most excited about Mary Mario Hazonja, and I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> but he's, if he plays in Philadelphia, you're saying his first name right? <laughs> Mario. Oh yes, Mario. <laughs> My man. Um, and then eleven. I saw some scenarios where we get Stanley Johnson. At eleven, that would be uh, a really ideal outcome there. All right, let's let's say so. If y'all get the number one pick, do you think it, it's Towns? No matter definitely what, Towns, definitely Towns. Okay, unless there was some kind of trade, which I wouldn't like, you know, rule out. But I think Towns is he's uh, super athletic. It looks like he has a little bit of a jump shot already that can develop. He's got much quicker feet than Jaleel Okafor, who doesn't really project to be a good defender. Um, so yeah, Towns Towns fits the Sixers mold. So if let's let's assume that y'all get some somewhere in the like low low teens. Let's just focus on the top ten. If y'all were to get two and six, ooh, two and six. That's a good one. Assuming the the I like that one, one team takes Towns. Who do you take? Two and six. Two and six. So this is this is probably the trickiest scenario because the first one probably would take Towns. Okafor is probably the next best player, but he really doesn't fit our team. So what I would most like to see here is a trade. Uh, to trade down with someone who wants Okafor um, and p- pick up multiple picks um, or something else good. But... Okafor cannot probably play with Nerlens or or Joel Embiid. Um, I would be okay if we took him and just figured it out too. I don't I don't think that's too bad of a thing. So I would say uh, Okafor. So first preference would be trade, then Okafor, and still Hazonja. Um, with six, I'd also be excited about Justice Winslow, um, and I'm still intrigued by Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> Does does that change at all if you don't get that uh that number 6 pick like let's say you were just 2 and 12 or whatever so you just mm-hmm. had the number 2 pick you still think you would you would want to trade trade up then i think actually trading down would be even trade more down. preferable because then yeah. we would maybe be able to get in that like 5 to 8 range and get one of there's a lot of i think i think the draft has like 7 guys that i'm like particularly excited about maybe eight and so i feel like if we can get one in there then i I could see that player being as good as okafer because i don't okafer is really good in the post but i don't see how else he he contributes to an nba team all right so So what about 
what if y'all get the third pick? And assuming Moutier. the top two, so the top two teams take Towns and Okafor. Moutier. Moutier. Would you want it? Would you want them to take it and not even explore trading down? Or I think that's a that's probably a part. Uh, you know, I think we should always explore trading down, but that's probably where we're like maximizing our value. I think he's, in my opinion, the best player available there, and uh, and yeah, I, I would take him. On NBADraft.net, it has a school just listed as Congo. <laughs> nice. Wait, is and he played in China. Is he from the Congo? I think he's from the Congo, and then he came to the United States to play, and then, then he was gonna go to SMU, but he decided to play in China because there were some questions about his eligibility, and he made like a million bucks or something playing in China. And Larry Brown, who would have been his coach at SMU, said that it was the right choice for him. Yeah, but I feel like you have to say that otherwise the NCAA is going to come and hit you with all sorts of violations all the time. And he played pretty well in China, uh, but it's hard to kind of see how that translates because the quality of those teams is like highly variable. Right. Sometimes they have Stefan Marbury. Sometimes they have uh, somebody else. Uh, Will Bynum. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, what if the most likely scenario happens, Ray? What if the Sixers get the number five overall pick and that's it? I would be devastated. <laughs> I would be, I cannot, words cannot describe how would be, I would feel. You would be devastated even though that's the most likely singular outcome? I know it's not. I would hope it's that It's the plurality, Greg, it's not the majority. I would hope that Greg has a Sylvia Plath book in that collection downstairs and I would just read it and I would cry. Would you cook it for a family dinner? I might cook it. Don't tell don't tell Greg. We're going back into the don't tell Greg portion of the podcast. Oh yeah, don't tell Greg. That's our new podcast. Who would you pick with the fifth overall pick? The fifth oh man. After I So uh, so we're assuming that f- that the top four are Towns, Okafor, Moutier, and Russell. And I'm assuming the that's who you'd want the Sixers to take in Yeah. Not quite that order, but I think there's a good chance that actually Justice Winslow or Kristaps Porzingis could sneak in there and that one of those guys would fall out. So if any of those guys fell out, that's who I would want. But let's, but let's still, say I'm they still went okay. one through four. Who would you take five then? I'd probably go Mario. Herzonja. Herzonja. Herzonja, probably. Uh, Super Mario, yeah. Uh, even though this is the lottery, do you have any just like one guy that you're like, man, that's going to be a second rounder that the Sixers are going to take because they just love second rounders? Mm, um, there's a couple of guys that they've been working out. I think RJ Hunter, he might be a first round guy. Um, you know, I actually, I should, but I don't. Oh, this is this probably isn't a guy that they're going to take, but there's this humongous dude um, who's seven two from India who's like jacked he's like just you know most of the seven two guys are super skinny but this guy is like all muscle um and he kind of has like a George Marchand thing going on uh and I would kind of be really excited if we got him with one of the second round. he he only started playing basketball like a year or two ago and he's not he's big and he can like shoot a little bit but he's like not super that's, that's what nimble. I tell people when I'm playing uh on the playground it, when I'm playing a pickup game I say I only started playing basketball a couple years ago Okay, because nice. then they make then then people think I'm b- better than I actually am. Mm. They're like, oh man, he has a lot of potential. He already has kind of a mm-hmm. natural feel. He didn't work on that for 28 years. Yeah, 
Nice. So maybe you'll be a second round pick of the Sixers, is what you're saying? Possibly. I have a foreign sounding name. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a pretty good bet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is probably hard for you to hear, Ray, but I think that our time to talk about the draft may be coming to an end. If you want to say like maybe 15 more seconds of just nonsense right here. I don't know. Just be there. It's the most important day of the year. Um, many teams, NBA fates will be determined. People will be distracted by the playoff game that's happening later that night and think that that matters. But that only determines who will be the champion this year. And it might that not even determine that at determine all. That. It def- or it partially determine. determines that. Yeah, it may contribute to it. Yeah. But this determines, you know, the health of an NBA franchise for years to come. Be there. Okay. Uh, speaking of that game that's happening afterwards, we have just a little quick time here uh, to examine each of the conference final series. Uh, and so we're going to start. Which one are we going to start with? We're going to start with the Cavs, I think, versus the Hawks. We should say the Hawks. The Hawks are first seed, so we should have said them first. But Yeah, I think I go quick on this one. Um, I think this will probably continue to be like not the most interesting basketball as the East has produced thus far in the playoffs. I disagree with you there, but continue. Um, and I think that LeBron will just kind of power his way to victory ultimately in six or seven games. Uh, if I had to go on record, which I suppose I do, uh, I would say Cavs in seven through a kind of slugfest. You're on record, but it's like a very poorly maintained record where <laughs> things get deleted a lot. Um, so I think that's safe. Uh, I disagree about it being exciting because obviously this is the Joe Harris versus Mike he Scott was option to the Canton Charge. Joe Harris versus Mike Scott, uh, you know, showdown that you've all been waiting to see. Uh, it's entirely possible that they both will score points in one game. Um, More likely for Mike Scott than Joe Harris. Uh, Mike Scott actually does play in the games besides just to dribble the ball at the end, which is what Joe Harris did (laughs) at the end of the game where they beat the Bulls. Uh, But Mike Scott, you know, he sometimes he's a chucker. Probably better than that at this rate. You know, he can hit some threes. He's got a little size. Uh, if I was a predicting man, which I have to be, as we established here, that we're both predicting things, uh, I would go ahead and say the cat. Would you say you said the Cavs in seven? Mm-hmm. I think the Cavs will pull it out in six games. Six games, uh, you know, four to two Cavs. Right. Um, we might have a special bonus prediction here. Bonus prediction. Bonus prediction. Bonus thoughts. Maybe just some bonus thoughts right. and feelings. I, do, I think this will I agree with Court. I think this could be a good series. I I hope that it's a good series. I was gonna say Cavs in six. Also, um, there's definitely a part of me that wants to to think that the Hawks could could pull this one out. I do think if if Tabo Cephalosha was playing, that would make a difference, as a lot of people have said. Um, not because he would add anything on offense, but I do think he's played LeBron really well uh, in the past. Um, and I don't think the Hawks really have anybody who can guard LeBron. I guess Damari Carroll is probably going to stick him for the majority of the games. Uh, also, good hair. Um, just want to throw that mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't think he can... 
he can really slow him down too much. So, so you're saying the I'm, Cavs because of police brutality? Exactly. Uh, no, although I do, I do think it's uh, a little weird how how quickly that story sort of uh, went away. Definitely, um, totally weird. Yeah, but uh, I think Cavs in six. Um, I don't really. It, the the Hawks have not looked great at, at all. I don't think the Wizards looked that good, um, and they really pushed the Hawks. Um, so, okay. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Cavs so and six. I slow rolled this a little bit. I feel like someone was reflecting on the Cavs lineup right now, and one that like Kyrie is like clearly pretty hurt, and the people playing around LeBron are just like not that good at basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, like Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Mozgov. You just named three players and who Tristan recently Thompson. played for the Knicks. <laughs> yes, who recently played for the abysmal Knicks. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, that's what I don't think the Hawks have been very good either, but those guys are just not that good at basketball. As, as Greg says, the Cavs are basically the Knicks. <laughs> Besides the part about LeBron James. Yes. I, I do think that that Thompson and Mozgov have played pretty well in the playoffs. Um, I think if Kyrie, Definitely. yeah, and I think that that if you look at the Hawks, their their advantages would be Millsap and Horford um, inside, and I think that Tristan Thompson and Mozgov are big enough and athletic enough to. Um, not necessarily counteract that advantage, but mitigate it enough to allow the Cavs' big advantage, being that they have LeBron James, to push the series in their favor. Yeah. All right. Bold. Uh, We're going to move on to the Western Conference Finals, Rockets versus Warriors. Uh, Man, this is just an amazing... (laughs) Ray thinks it's a... Ray thinks it's really funny. <laughs> Ray, why is it so funny? Uh, if I explained it, it would be less funny. Um, no, no. Predict? Explain, I think you, I explain, think you explain it. it. I don't. I don't know. I was just excited. I thought. I thought for some reason, like Court said something like Houston versus Rockets. <laughs> I started laughing, but he didn't. He didn't at all. Um, well, uh, I correctly named the teams. <laughs> But I, the way I said it just sounded weird, I guess. Uh, I was I definitely had them in my mind because I have this like classic. It's the face versus the heel. You know, you got Steph Curry as the face. You got James Harden as the heel. And I think there's going to be a classic, you know, Montreal screw job deal here. And uh, mm. we're going to call it the, you know, 880 screw job Oracle Arena. Uh, all of a sudden, like the Warriors don't even know it, but the Rockets have taken it from them and they don't even know how. Uh, and I know I'm, I'm pushing ahead to my predictions, but I just want to get it on record that I think the Rockets are going to take it four games to one. Mm. Wow. Um, and I would drop this mic, Putting but it on I the just table. have to spin it really slowly over to Joel. Putting it on the table. Wow. Court came out strong there. Um, yeah, my I think this series... I think this series is going to be exciting, especially if Golden State doesn't do too much hacka whomever. Um... I don't know. Just watching the goal, watching Golden State play is just kind of really fun. They're just really good at basketball and moving the ball and shooting. Um, I, 
Um, should we? Should we? Well, I'll go ahead and start with my prediction too. That that probably make it flow. Okay, I'll I'm gonna predict Golden State in six. Um, but I would actually still be kind of happy if the Rockets won because I feel like they've just not been given a lot of credit. And like uh, like I talked about earlier, there's an unusual amount of like false narratives directed toward them. And like analytics doesn't work. They're obviously really analytics savvy. Or um, they made a horrible decision letting Chandler Parsons go, which has kind of worked out pretty well for them. Or like Dwight Howard doesn't have it in him to like win a championship or all these kind of garbage things. So anyhow, I think it would still be fun if they won because they just don't really ever get credit and they get a lot of this like negative criticism that's not really based on anything substantial. So, but I'm still going to say Golden State and six because they're just really good at basketball and Steph Curry is like out of this world. I would say Golden State in five. Um, I don't, I don't think the Rockets have too much of a chance. I do. I think if the Rockets have any chance, it's because Golden State has some bad shooting nights, like like they had against Memphis, and maybe tighten up a little bit, uh, get a little bit uh, nervous. Um, and I think the Rockets do have the the capability of taking advantage of that in in the sense that they have somebody like James Harden who can score baskets seemingly at will and, and doesn't necessarily have to rely on his jumper, um, which would be my worry for Golden State, like I was kind of trying to say before, um, that that they don't they don't have somebody on offense. I mean as as good as Steph Curry is, he's he can't he can't drive into the lane, especially with somebody like Dwight Howard there, um, and and score or or get to the free throw line uh like a James Harden could um so if if their shots aren't falling maybe they have to rely more on somebody like Harrison Barnes uh who's played great but probably isn't the person that I'd want uh dominating the offense um if I was the Warriors but all that said I don't think it's going to happen uh Golden State's too good of a three-point shooting team and at the other end, uh, I think that they'll be able to stick Clay on Harden. Um, they'll have Bogut roaming the lane and and there to kind of neutralize Howard. And the Rockets are going to have trouble scoring uh, too. So I would say Golden State in five. I think um, I think it's either going to be a really short series, four or five games, or uh, it'll go to seven. Mm-hmm. It won't be six games, is what Joel's saying, and it won't be a sweep. Uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I wouldn't actually be that surprised if Golden State swept it. I'm basically making the bold prediction that it will not be a six-game series. Joel, can you rank all of series. the potential outcomes, the most likely to the least likely? Yes. All. Wait, how many are there? Uh, not that many, right? Well, I, I, my prediction was Golden State in five, right? <laughs> No, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> uh, one thing about Golden State's defense is Bogut is like really, really good at defense. And he and looks I, like David Woodside, but way bigger. He's Yeah, and he has this crazy, like, I don't know, the one time I saw him in person was when they were playing the Pelicans, and he had eight blocks. And he like got into foul trouble, and that was kind of why the Pelicans ended up being able to win. But like while he was in there, it was just he made 
life so sad for Tyreek Evans and Eric Gordon driving in. That dude was just like on I, it. I kind of really like Bogut because one off season when he was a free agent, he was just really candid. He's like, yeah, I get hurt a lot, but I'm pretty good at basketball and I'm seven feet tall. So someone's probably going to pay me a lot of money. And I was like, man, that dude is awesome. And speaking of Bogut, he's been surprisingly uh, spry or had some spry moments, I should say, against uh, at least in that series against the Grizzlies. Uh, some pretty, he had some pretty Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan esque uh, alley oop dunks that really mm-hmm. surprised me. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's looked he's looked good in these playoffs, uh, and I think he's an important part of their team. And uh, you know. His, I think his health, remaining healthy, is important for them to actually be able to pull this title out. Um, yeah. So, I do think they're the favorites. Uh, I think we've gone way over our time, and just the like the fact that I'm gonna have to edit this and post it before <laughs> tomorrow's lottery to make our lottery predictions uh, is kind of like weighing on me. So I think it's a good time for us to say good night. But we would like to thank all of our listeners out there and once again plea for any sort of funding because uh, right now raise microphone Go fund is, us. Rick, yeah, Ray's microphone is sitting on top of a box of, of paper uh, and that's what's holding it up and we could use a mic stand and we could probably use another microphone because Joel and I have been sharing this one and uh, if we were getting really greedy, maybe... Where can people donate? They can donate on Tinder? People can donate uh, on Tinder. My my bank account number is posted on my profile. Um, that way, uh, people that match with me can donate money. Uh, just swipe to the right. Uh, for my. It says Cortland on there. And I'm, I'm, yeah, you'll, you'll recognize me from my voice. Are you taking donations in any other forms? Uh, if they want to directly just bring a microphone stand, they could do that. Uh, also, if you uh, want to host us, uh, if you want to like host a mobile uh, version of this mobile at, your, at your own studio. Buy us a mobile home. Possibly at your your radio studio, like maybe WINA Charlottesville. In a, in your tiny house in on Orcas Island, uh, something like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, in Peru, whatever you want. Anyway, Connecticut, Connecticut, Connecticut. All right, y'all. Good night. Uh, good luck in the lottery to all the teams besides the Sixers and Whoa. have a good one. Good night, y'all. Good night. Good night.